The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, Jesus said, All that you see here, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Then they asked him, Teacher, when will this happen? And what sign will there be when all these things are about to happen? He answered, See that you are not, you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has come. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for such things must happen first. But it will not immediately be the end. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues from place to place. And awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. Before all this happens, however, they will seize and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and to prisons. and They will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead you to giving testimony. Remember, you are not to prepare your defense beforehand, For I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking, that all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. The Gospel of the Lord. Today, we hear these readings and we should think about, to a certain degree, or um, we're kind of the end of the world. We're actually talking about uh, the end times in some ways. And that always happens around this time in the month of November, right? We've got All Souls Day, All Saints Day. We also have at the end of the liturgical year. So the liturgical, right? We have the fiscal year, we have the calendar year, but we also have the liturgical year. And the first weekend of Advent is the start of the liturgical year. And so we're coming, right? We have this weekend, we have next weekend, which is Christ the King, and then we have uh, the first Sunday of Lent. So it's coming up, or Advent, Advent is coming up. <laughs> and, uh, and so as we approach that beginning of the year, we also approach the end of the year. And as the end of the year comes, we also meditate on, the church always has, in the three-week cycle, readings that are talking about the end times. Now, we speak about specifically Jesus' prophecy here. How is this fulfilled? Well, uh, we can sometimes become overly fascinated with the idea of when are the end times? You know, we've got to predict it. We, you know, oh, there's famines happening. There's wars. Oh, yeah, the end is near. It's going to happen any day now. And we can become overly infatuated with that. Uh, as a Catholic perspective, we look at the end of the world and the prophecies that Jesus has in these cases. And we look at it and we say that the prophecies have been fulfilled, that they are being fulfilled, and that they will be fulfilled. In what ways? Well, we see that some of Jesus' words were uh, fulfilled in 70 AD when the temple was completely destroyed. But we also know that there's a greater significance, that today we see the end of the world happening in some ways, and we know that it will happen in the future when Jesus comes again. Now, we don't know when that will be, um, But uh, we know that it can happen at any time. It can happen in the next moment, 
Or it can happen in five years or 2,000 years or 6,000 years. Or it can happen when um, the sun, right? We know scientifically that suns uh, explode and kind of overtake different, you know, they only have a certain lifespan and that at a certain point our sun will envelop the earth. Will that be the end of the world? I don't know, right? We don't know when that will happen. And, and Jesus says that we won't know when that will happen. But part of our meditation on this is to realize that the prophecy comes true in our own life. Even if the entire world doesn't end, the world will end for us at a certain point. And so we should, during the month of November, meditate on death. And that's a healthy part of human life because part of life is death. If we never live, we never die, which, you know, we kind of like, but we'd also never live, right? There's kind of an aspect of death is part of life as well. And so it's healthy for us to be able to meditate on. But it's also uh, really good for us as Christians to meditate on death because it puts everything in perspective. It helps us to hopefully not become overly infatuated with death or grow into despair, or think that nothing matters, which is what the second reading was kind of talking about. Well, the second coming is coming here right right now, so I've got to quit my job, and nothing matters, and I'm going to, uh, you know, not have any savings, and I'm going to just give away my car and my house. Well, those are all good things, but uh, we also know that having a house, uh, having some security is a good thing, and we do want to have that. But we also realize that in perspective of our death in the end times, it hopefully gives us a proper attitude towards it. Realizing that it doesn't matter how big of a house I have, right? Maybe to a certain degree, but but that that ultimately isn't what my life is ordered to, right? Is a bigger house. Uh, My life is not about what kind of new iPhone I have, or what kind of shoes I have, or what kind of car, right? All those things are important, but in perspective of our death, of eternal life, they they pale in comparison, right? Um, And so thinking about death can help us to give a perspective, both in that way, but also sometimes of different anxieties that we have, whether it's the next test or or maybe just the thing that's happening in your life that you've got to get done, that project, that job. Or maybe, you know, from my perspective, it's helpful for me on occasion to realize that this homily is important, but it's not going to make or break my life, right? Um, to help reduce our anxiety, to be able to put the anxieties on where there should be anxieties. And that we should have a certain amount of anxiety about our salvation, uh, the way that we're responding to God's mercy and grace. But, and we should have a certain amount of anxiety of you know, certain small things, but that they should be smaller, that they should be in the proper context of the end of our life. Now, one of the other things that we realize towards the end of our lives as Catholics is that ultimately, what are we ordered to? Well, we're ordered to heaven. Now, God has actually made us for heaven and himself, which ultimately isn't an amusement park where we go around doing stuff that's, that's fun, but we spend eternity with God, which is prayer. Now, so that means that we're ordered in this earth to prepare ourselves for eternity with God in prayer. And that might cause some of us, uh, I know for myself uh, as a a younger kid, as well as many younger people today, they're like, well, I'll, I'll figure it out later, right? 
I'll figure out the God thing later when I've got time. And we can sometimes say the same thing. Well, if I'm going to be praying for eternity, well, then I don't need to pray now, right? I'll get plenty of prayer in later. Uh, But that's not quite uh, the perspective that we quite have. Now, it it does make sense that we're not going to spend 24 hours a day right now on this earth in prayer. We're going to try to pray unceasingly and keep always God you know, with us and that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. But we also realize that we're not able to pray 24-7. That is for heaven. But that we do prepare now. And that if we don't like prayer now, well, you know, it's kind of, are you going to like heaven, right? There's, it's part of the reason why I think we have purgatory, right? To help prepare ourselves ultimately for that. But it's also the reason why God um, gives us sometimes glimpses of what prayer is like in heaven. I know for myself, when I was um, in college, uh, I was started going to daily mass, mostly to get away from uh, the Naval Academy and all the pressure uh, that I had in college. Uh, but one of the days, I experienced a great peace that came with receiving the Eucharist. And that kind of helped spur me on to desire more prayer and more opportunity with God. Now, not every single time that I went to pray or received the Eucharist did I experience uh, an abundant amount of grace or peace or fulfillment in that. But I knew that it was possible, right? That, that God, uh, in his grace, can make it so that prayer is overwhelming, that it can make it seem like an entire hour is 30 seconds. He can do that. But he chooses not to at certain times, uh, mostly so that we can be free to choose him and that we're not completely dependent on his grace. We don't just go to prayer because it makes us feel good, but we choose to go to prayer because we love God, right? And that sometimes requires us to be freely choosing, not just because we get something out of it, because then we're not freely choosing to a certain degree. Um, later on, I experienced once again in adoration where the Eucharist is exposed, and I was kind of skeptical because I hadn't had much adoration before, and I was like, well, I get to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, so what's the point of adoration, right? To adore him, because if I receive him, isn't that, isn't that better? Uh, but it was in that adoration time that I actually received the call of God uh, to do something more, and ultimately to the priesthood and to celibacy in that, because I, I experienced a fulfillment of God in the midst of it that he specifically graced me with in that moment. Now, again, that doesn't happen every single time that I go to adoration, but it was that one specific time that I was open to him. Now, I still, though, didn't quite get it. I uh, was at college at the Naval Academy, and I had decided to go to seminary to start to, you know, try to discern this call, this feeling uh, a, a call to something more in that specific way uh, by God. Um, and I was going to daily mass, but one of my friends recommended to me, he said, hey, there's, there's adoration every morning after breakfast and before the first class. You, you should go to that. You know, that'd be good for you. And I said, ah, no, I'm good. I don't really do that stuff. I don't really, you know, I, I go to daily mass. I pray the rosary on occasion. That's enough for me. No, thanks. I don't really need adoration. I don't even know what that's for. Uh, even though that I had experienced it, right? And so I was kind of at that point. Well, I was at a rude awakening when I went to seminary uh, a few months later, and they had us wake up every morning at 6.15 and pray an hour of adoration before starting the day. Now, but it was there that I started to realize how important it was, right? 
that I realized that it was uh, what I needed to be able to develop a relationship with Jesus because otherwise I couldn't authentically discern what God's plan was for my life, right? And then I started to notice those days where I did go to adoration, although I was tired, although at times I was disgruntled, right? Although at times it was a, it was a sacrifice and I didn't want to do it. When I went there and did pray and put my heart into it, even in my imperfect ways, that my day was better than those days when I didn't. When I was able to, you know, maybe sleep more or, or be able to take care of myself and in different ways, it still wasn't as good of a day because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, didn't properly order my life and give it that proper perspective of what it is for. Now, for our life as well, I don't expect all of you to pray a holy hour every day. I try to, and it's still really difficult for me, and I don't get it in every day, but that's kind of my ideal is that I, I still do. But we, uh, as a cluster, are immensely blessed because we have two adoration chapels. One at Our Lady of Lourdes, which is the first adoration chapel that started in the diocese since St. John Paul II uh, promoted it and said that you know it would be a good practice for uh, parishes to do perpetual adoration, and he actually started it at St. Peter's in Rome. And so, but then we also have St. Joseph's, that is a perpetual adoration chapel, and the graces that flow out from that adoration chapel are immeasurable. Uh, I think one of the one, uh, outside of the mass. The most important thing that we do as a cluster, the most fruitful thing that we do as a cluster is the perpetual adoration chapel. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more fruitful in our lives, in the life of the cluster, as well as in the life of our communities than that adoration chapel that allows us to be formed in the heart of Jesus Christ by sitting in silence with him by sitting with him face to face, preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus Christ and for eternity. That we ourselves uh, are, are anxious about many things, but there's only one thing to be anxious about, and that's the good things of the Lord. And so uh, for myself, I took an hour of adoration last time I promoted, or the first time that I promoted adoration, and I took the 3 a.m. holy hour at St. Joseph. And I chose that because uh, I had a small commute, right? I just had to walk across the parking lot uh, from the rectory to the church. And I thought, I, I, I can do that. You know, a lot of other people drive a lot farther. I can walk across in the middle of the night. Uh, but I also wanted it because 3 a.m. Uh, and 3 p.m. are kind of the hours of mercy. And so I wanted to be able to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet and pray for uh, our cluster in that way. Now, initially, right, it was difficult to kind of get a little bit of a schedule because I'm not used to waking up in the middle of the night and, and praying a holy hour and then trying to go to bed again after. And I thought it would sort of work, you know, I'd be able to wake up and then get still enough sleep. Well, it, it didn't quite work out. I, I slept through it once, and John, the, the person before me who has two hours of adoration, he just took a third, and he was like, oh, no problem, me and Jesus had more to talk about. And I was like, you are holy. You are a good man. I'm thankful for you. Um, but it, it motivated me to, right, wake up and actually make it. Um, it also started to have to change my days in the way that I was ordered, right? On Wednesday, I couldn't do my normal evenings or go over to somebody's house and stay out later. I had to go to bed earlier, okay? 
Well, you know, that kind of changed what I did. I had to go to bed earlier, uh, or I do have to go to bed earlier, um, and wake up and then try to get a little bit of sleep after, maybe take some naps. And I'm a little bit more tired on Thursday in some ways. And I have to be honest, a few months ago, I was thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Is this my best prayer? Uh, It kind of messes up my Thursdays. My Thursdays are different as well as my Wednesdays. Is this what I should be doing? And kind of doubting in some ways what it is. But I started to kind of evaluate and started to look at my Thursdays. And it's a really funny thing that happens on Thursdays. Now, every other day of the week, it's really difficult to get prayer in, right? We kind of say like, okay, yeah, I should take a few minutes to pray. Oh, but let me do these other things real quick. And then I'll, and then I'll say some prayers. Uh, you know, let me get these other things. Oh, shoot, my, where did my time go? On Thursday... I could easily pray two holy hours. Like, things just melt away, and I'm like, oh, I've got an hour free here. I should go pray a holy hour. And I was like, oh, wait, but I already prayed one earlier today. I mean, not that I shouldn't, and then I'm like, oh, I can go pray some, right? I don't need to pray a second holy hour, but it's amazing how that happens. We place God as the first. Other things just take their proper perspective and is able to order um, it, so as I kind of looked at it, I started to see the grace that God was working specifically on that day after, that when I gave God the first fruits, as opposed to whatever was left over, that God properly ordered my life in that way. Now, it doesn't mean that every Thursday is perfect. Uh, it is different than my other days, as well as Wednesday evening, uh, but it is more blessed. And as I look at that, even though in the difficult in the cross, it is more blessed. For ourselves, I encourage you, I know many of you take an hour of adoration already. You've got to drive a little bit farther to, hold, uh, to Our Lady of Lourdes. Um, but I encourage you to do it. You know, the, the more of a sacrifice that we make, the more grace that we receive from it. Um, right? Um, not that it's all about sacrifice. It is about prayer, what we're ordered to. But we know that the Christian life is a life where we pick up our cross and, and follow Jesus. And one of the best ways that we can be formed, I can think of no better step to grow in your faith than to take an hour of adoration and make that commitment once a week uh, to spend that hour with Jesus uh, on good weeks and bad weeks, right? Weeks where you want to go and pray with Jesus and weeks when prayer is really difficult or maybe you're having difficulties in your life and you wouldn't necessarily go to prayer, but you're, you're committed to it, right? It beautifully pulls us in just like Sunday Mass does. Now, holy, uh, holy Hour in Adoration isn't a replacement for Mass. Mass is the highest form of prayer. We pray as a community. We pray uh, the life with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the Paschal Mystery and the prayer of the Last Supper. We take a little moment of adoration every Mass when the priest holds up the Eucharist and says, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold Him who takes away the sins of the world. And that should drive us to want to adore the Lord outside of Mass as well. And when we adore the Lord outside of Mass, it should drive us back to desire to go to Mass more, right? And so it's not that they're too opposed to each other. We have 168 hours in the week. Uh, Some of those we spend sleeping, right? Some of those we spend working. Some of those we spend um, doing other things. But could we, we spend one hour a week coming to Mass? Could we spend another hour going to adoration? Now, you can pray anywhere. You can pray in your home, and I hope that you have a place of prayer in your house. Um, And praying in your house is incredibly important and powerful and should be a daily thing. But going 
to the church, going and praying in front of the Eucharist is an objectively more powerful and more perfect place to pray, just as Mass is. Not that you can only pray there, right? But if we have the opportunity to go and pray there. I encourage you to consider and invite you to consider taking an hour of adoration. If you already have an hour, praise God for that. Make you encourage you to recommit to that hour and say, this is um, what I want and what I desire. Um, and to evaluate, how is this changing your life and your faith and those around you? If you don't have an hour, it can seem uh, like a real difficulty of saying, well, where would it fit in, right? My week is too crazy. Well, yeah, your week is too crazy, but what's the priority, right? When we order everything around it, um, you know, yeah, we do have to sacrifice in certain amounts. I have to sacrifice certain relationships and certain things that I would like to do in order to take uh, the hour of adoration. But I see it blessing those relationships as well that I have to give up or those times when I'm not able to do stuff on Wednesday night. That's actually a blessing for my, uh, all my relationships because I'm making God that priority in the midst of it all. When we look at our life, we realize that there are many things that we can do. But the most important thing that we can do is what we're ordered to. And we're ordered towards prayer. And so I encourage you to can consider that, making the step in, in that direction, um, because it will only abundantly bless you, bless this community, and bless your family and friends and the whole, uh, the whole community that we're a part of.